0: Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. What is mutology? Is there really an underground alien base in New Mexico? Are extraterrestrials naughty or nice? Oh, well, okay, welcome to the 914th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno coming to you. From W-O-O-N AM and FM Radio in Woonsocket, Rhode Island, on the Paranormal Radio app from TalkStream Live, on YouTube, and via TuneIn.com. I am not Ben, but those muted questions uh, came from me. I'm Paul. Uh, today we bring you a new guest with some new views. Uh, oh, please. Go ahead. Okay. Please. Ben, ben is, is here.
1: I, right. I am here. I apologize. I was pressing a couple of buttons. Um, yeah, you're doing the producer thing. It is. Sometimes in live radio, uh, things happen. And then we <laughs> and then and then we it. move on, and that is what happens. Right. So Adam gorightly has been chronicling fringe culture for two decades. Uh, his articles have appeared in nearly every zine, underground magazine, countercultural publication, and conspiratorial website website imaginable. If I can't stumble over my words, uh, he has dissected everything from the Kennedy assassination to the Manson family to UFOs and beyond. Uh, we live in a time when any semi literate can write a book and usually does uh in in my opinion in my dad's opinion as well uh adam's book uh, comes as a relief uh, they are all well written uh fun to read, and he connects the dots in uh, ways the few modern author does uh good Good stuff, whether you agree with it or not, and we're happy to have him with us. Today on, on the show, his website is com. the uh, book, Saucers, Spooks, and Kooks, UFO Disinformation in the Age of Aquarius.
0: So, Adam Gowrightly, welcome to Behind the Paranormal.
1: Thanks for having me on, gentlemen. Oh, well, hey, it's great, great to have you with us. You know, it's, it's always fun to kind of have, have new guests on from time to time, and we try to do that as often as possible. So I guess we'll kind of just hop right into it. Um, tell us about mutes, and how do you deal with them in your book?
2: Well, I'm looking at the uh, overall story of the uh, Dulce base, or the legends of the Dulce base, and a big part of that uh, story are the so-called mutes, which is kind of shorthand for cattle mutilations. And so you're asking me how I (laughs) handle them. I look at the uh, associations with the... uh, Dulce-based story, and there's a lot of different associations and uh, threads, and the capital mutilation uh, phenomenon, such as it is, is just one part of that uh, story and how it uh, relates to uh, Dulce. That's not really
0: (laughs) answering your question. No, we'll get through all that, yeah. Okay. So uh, Dulce, New Mexico. I mean, it, it's fallen into paranormal urban legend here.
1: We've been talking about it a lot lately, too. I've yeah, it keeps coming up. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, Uh alien bases and aliens working with the government, people, and all. I mean, what, what, what's really going on here? One of the things, the themes in your book, that books that I really enjoy are the manipulation uh of the mythology of UFOs to, to help to control populations or, or to. Uh, work out some agenda that someone else has, you know, and, and the truth is, uh, like, not out there somewhere. So so what, 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 is there really anything happening at Dulce, New Mexico, or is it just a ploy of some kind?
2: Well, there were things happening at one time or another. Whether there's any secret facilities there now doesn't seem to be the case from uh, folks I talked to. But in the uh, 70s, there was a lot of uh, strangeness going on, and you really need, we need to step back and look at where this legend or these stories came from, and that goes back to the uh, Benowitz affair. I was going to ask you about Benowitz. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so if you don't mind, let's go back there for a few minutes and uh, kind of lay that out and how that uh, is connected to uh, the the whole Dulce base story. So Paul Benowitz, for your listeners who... Don't know. He was a physicist, a government contractor, had his own business by the name of uh, Thunder Thunder Dynamics. And uh, they uh, basically uh, provided and invented different, uh, like, sensing devices and stuff for aircraft, uh, avionics, that type of stuff. So he's kind of a mad genius guy. And he he was also... uh, interested in uh, ufos and cattle mutes he was a member of the apro that ufo organization during that period the time frame here is we're looking at the uh, late 1970s and so uh, where he lived was right adjacent to uh, kirtland air base in uh, albuquerque new mexico where a lot of stuff was going on during that period you also have Sandia Labs there, which were involved in a lot of uh, these secret projects, as well as uh, something called the Monsanto Weapons Area. And so you know, what the Monsanto Weapons Area was, was this, the, they housed the largest uh, cache of nuclear weapons components, uh, probably in the world during that uh, period in the uh, late 70s. And of course, it was also an Air Force base, so... Anywho, Benowitz started seeing UFOs over the uh, facilities, or what he uh, perceived to be UFOs. They were like nothing he had ever seen. And uh, specifically, they were over the uh, Monsa- Monsanto weapons area, which uh, got him kind of concerned. He started filming these things, and he also set up this array of listening equipment, and he started picking up all these odd signals and stuff that he was trying to Decode, and over time he uh, grew to believe that uh, you know this was <laughs> the aliens that were behind this. For a number of re- reasons, he grew to uh, believe this. He's, like I said, he started filming, taking photos, and capturing these signals, and he brought it to the attention of the uh, security there at uh, Kirtland to let him know that you know he considered it a national security threat, uh, even met with the generals and whatnot there. But they didn't seem to be taking him seriously. He started firing off a uh, number of uh, letters to prominent uh, politicians and even put together something called a Project uh, Beta Report that outlined what he considered this alien menace and how to deal with it. And... At uh, Kirtland, during that uh, period, uh, there was a lot of, uh, uh, like I said, secret projects going on with stealth technology, aircraft, uh, a lot was going on during that period, and also it was later revealed a uh, secret uh, program uh, called Project Starfire that was uh, basically had to do with uh, laser communications, secret communications, where you could talk to satellites and maybe uh, screw with uh, other satellites from uh, other countries. So this, it appears, was what uh, Benowitz was picking up on that he determined or that he suspected uh, were UFOs. And that entered into this situation a fellow named uh, Richard Doty who was with... uh, the AFOSI based out of uh, Kirtland AFOSI is Air Force Office of Special Investigations basically he was one of the uh, investigators that were put on the uh, Benowitz uh, uh, to deal with Benowitz as part of the counterintelligence operation because they were concerned and of course there's different uh, interpretations of this story and uh, but uh, from the uh, perspective of the government, they were uh, concerned that he would leak this information uh, about the secret crap, the signals he was picking up to uh, potentially foreign adversaries. So they wanted to uh, see what he was up to. And during this time, they also fed him some um, phony documents that, uh, kind of bolstered his theory that there was aliens uh, uh, interacting with that uh, base or uh, potentially threatening that base, and the alien angle was uh, part of the uh, you know part of the motive here was to uh, discredit uh, Benowitz. So that's kind of where the st- how does Dulce come into this? <laughs> we can. I'll jump into that next. unless she have any questions at this point? Well, I just wanted to point point out that uh, you know we're
0: having um, in my own military experience uh, underground bases are not unusual. And you know, people hear underground bases, they go, "Aha!" You know, some kind of crazy conspiracy thing. That's mm-hmm. not right either, because history is full of conspiracies. Uh, so, but in any case, uh, I think that it's very plausible that there could have been a base there, certainly, or was. But what it was used for—that's that, another question entirely. Uh, yeah. in, in chapter six of your excellent book, uh, Adam, you point out that uh, something else I learned in the military—that that accurate information can be released from inaccurate sources deliberately, and vice mm-hmm. versa—and that uh, keeps everybody guessing. And uh, you know, is is one way. Well, once they learned in the '60s, you really can't keep secrets. You have to use disinformation. Uh, then that, that was really a, a tool that was used so uh, one of the questions we want to address on the show here is uh, as and as you've begun to do is the whole ufo mythology or fact or whatever there is it, it tends to be mixed up with accurate and inaccurate information and and uh, who really controls that or does anyone
2: hmm. well in the case of uh, benowitz uh, Uh, I think that's exactly what, uh, happened. And, uh, according to different sources, that's what Doty eventually got in trouble for, was that, you know, he was, uh, uh, seeding, uh, Benowitz with some disinformation, but among the disinformation, there was some, uh, actual real information classified information and the, the reason uh, they were leaking it to uh, Benowitz and other you know there was UFO researchers involved uh with this like Bill Moore for instance was to put that uh, information out there along with the disinformation and uh basically uh you know put it into the ufological community and you got to keep in mind during this period uh, there was uh with the, at you know with the different uh, ufo groups with mufon and whatnot there was a lot of civilian contractors who were also interested in the UFO subject that also uh, worked on secret projects, you know. So that was kind of the interest of spies, foreign nationals that were starting to infiltrate some of these uh, UFO groups. And the idea there was they would uh, leak this information, uh, little bits and pieces that were factual and the uh, some that was disinformation, approach, uh, you know, seed it to different UFO researchers, some who were working as assets, you know, for the government, such as Bill Moore, he admitted that, pass that information on to uh, people in the UFO committees and see how it was responded to, basically to see if uh, other people had Picked up on certain uh, aspects of this, uh, you know, uh, different intel that was out there. For instance, show them a picture of a supposed UFO that was actually stealth technology, and see uh, what their reaction was. If the, <laughs> the they'd say, "Oh, I know what that type of craft is. It's not a UFO, and it has this uh, type of a wes- weapons system and whatnot." And also, once again, to seed uh, false stories to kind of muddy the waters, so everybody was confused about, uh, you know, what was that actually going on at some of these facilities like Kirtland, where, you know, a lot of this uh, stealth uh, development, stealth aircraft development, was going on. If that long-winded uh, answer makes any sense to you?
0: Oh no, it does. It does. Thank you, Adam. Uh, we have. Um question from Peter Shelley. Peter is one of our guest co-hosts now and then and he's from South America and he has two questions for our guest.
1: Indeed he does. I always look forward to his questions. Always always very, very
0: thoughtful questions.
1: Yes. Indeed. Uh, so Peter writes to us, uh, first um, have you spoken with Greg Valdez uh, son of the police officer Gabe Valdez uh, who personally investigated the mystery surrounding Dulce? If so, what did you learn? Yes,
2: I learned quite a bit. <laughs> Um. Whew. Let's put a pin in that, and I'll uh, talk about uh, what I learned from Greg Feldez in just a uh, second.
1: Okay. Um, yeah, sure thing. We can we can kind of put a, we can you know, kind of put that on, on hold, shove it in the parking lot, and wait wait to kind of <coughs> deal with it. Um,
2: um, well, I, I want th- a little background on how Dulce enters into the uh, story with uh, Benowitz. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, as well Gabe Valdez, um, so in 1980, uh, there was a, a lady named Myta Hansen who claimed that uh, she witnessed a UFO in the Eagle Nest, uh, New Mexico with her son, and uh, the UFO beamed like a light down tractor beam and sucked up a cow. <laughs> into the ship, and, uh, Hanson claimed that she and her son also got, uh, tractor beamed up into the ship where they saw this, uh, alien of some sorts dissecting, uh, a, uh, this cow, you know, a form of, weird form of, uh, cattle mutilation. And, uh, afterwards, you know, uh, this hysterical young lady, uh, Myrna Hanson, she was, in her mid-twenties at the time, she, uh, contacted the, uh, local, uh, authorities there in Eagle Eagleness, and they didn't know what, how to deal with this, so they contacted Gabe Valdez, the father of, uh, Greg Valdez. Uh, Valdez during this period, this was, uh, in the eighties, and like through the mid-seventies uh, onward, he was kind of the go-to guy, uh, in New Mexico for cattle mutilations and weird uh things in the sky. He was a state trooper there. And uh Valdez uh Gabe Valdez had become uh, friends with uh Paul Benowitz, you know, and uh he contacted Benowitz cuz he didn't know how to deal with this situation either and told her about this young woman who had had this uh encounter and Benowitz got involved and he brought in Leo Sprinkle, another kind of famous name here in ufology, who'd been the last few years doing uh, hypnotic regressions uh, associated with the APRO and uh, different uh, uh, groups. And so they ended up doing a regression of uh, Myrna Hansen. and uh, Hypnotic regression. Hypnotic regression at okay. uh, Benowitz's uh, house and uh, he had a brand new 1979 Lincoln Town car which he uh, was uh, basically wrapped it in a couple layers of foil because he was uh, concerned about the aliens interfering, sending some type of beam that would mess up their uh, regression session. Anyway, what, uh, Hansen went on to describe was her initial experience where she went aboard an alien ship, saw that dissection, there was some type of medical experiment that went on. And uh, they continued to regress her over a series of few days, and she started having these memories of being transported at one time or another to an alien uh, base where she once again underwent uh, some type of medical procedure at the hands of the aliens, and at some point she s- broke free in the facility and started seeing some of the uh, classic uh, tropes now that are in uh, UFO lore with the uh, VATS with alien hybrid babies and uh, whatnot. And due to this information, uh, Benowitz, for one reason or another, began to uh, suspect that uh, the actual uh, base was at Dulce, New Mexico. And that kind of started the uh, legend uh, here. He fired off, I was talking about, he was uh, contacting different uh, politicians and a couple things he said in a letter planted the uh, seeds for Dulce Base. One claim what he he had was that there'd been a secret treaty between the U.S. government and the uh, aliens, you know, to exchange technology. The aliens would change uh, exchange technology in return for human experiments, uh, people to experiment upon. And another thing in one of the documentations early on, this is uh eighty, eighty one or so, he claimed that there had been some type of confrontation at this Dulce base, and the uh, humans there, military types, either abandoned the base or they were uh, killed. He also stated that he was developing, close to finishing uh, a ray gun that would destroy the aliens and so, Pretty wild uh, stuff, but uh, I'll now share some information that Greg Valdez uh, shared with me. Greg, uh, during uh, these days, he was, uh, uh, he wasn't even uh, in the 80s, he wasn't quite a teenager, still a, a young uh, preteen, but he would go off with uh, Gabe on a lot of his cattle mute uh, investigations and whatnot, so he had a good idea of what uh, Gabe was uh, involved in all of this. And uh, one of the uh, stories he related to me also uh, initially came from Greg Bishop in his book Project Beta. And uh, this was information that Greg got, first we're talking Greg Bishop here, got from Bill Moore, who was involved in this whole crazy affair. And Moore claimed that uh, he was uh, with uh, J. Allen Hynek of Project Blue Book fame uh, during this period. They were having some adult beverages uh, somewhere. And Hynek said that he had passed along a computer to Paul Benowitz that allegedly had software you could talk to the uh, aliens with. Pretty crazy sounding stuff here, but... Uh, as it turned out uh the software was actually embedded by the US Air Force and I think is a way to monitor Benowitz's activity once again as part of this counterintelligence affair but and so uh, allegedly he could Talk to the aliens through this computer, and there's also some very primitive, like computer dot matrix imagery of what the uh, aliens uh, looked like. Kind of, uh, some of them were reptilians. Others, uh, Benowitz, way back uh, during that period, was already calling Greys. You know, saying, "See how this a lot of this material potentially influenced ufology." But so initially, Great Bishop was the uh, source of that story. And during this period, Heineck uh, was indeed still working on uh, different projects for the Air Force. Now, Greg uh, Valdez and Gabe Valdez visited Benowitz at uh, one time, and Greg confirmed that he actually <laughs> witnessed uh, Benowitz uh, using this uh, computer to talk uh, to the aliens or received messages. You know, it wasn't like they were just vocally talking to each other. Other people who reviewed the messages were like, uh, you know, is this really aliens? Uh, But even Richard Doty, who is a uh, spurious source at times claimed that he was with uh, Benowitz and uh, watching him use this uh, computer to communicate with the aliens. Um, And so, what that most likely was, you know, was it, if indeed all this happened, there's, you know, different sources for it, uh, was a way to uh monitor Benowitz's activity with, you know, <laughs> a computer. Who knows what else that computer had in it to uh, monitor and listen in on uh, Benowitz uh, during this period, but also to further promote this uh narrative with Benowitz that there was indeed this activity going on with an alien base and that the alien base was uh, located at Dulce. Now, there's also evidence, you talk about underground facilities, there's also evidence of an underground facility uh, at uh, Kirtland Air Force Base. So the intent of all this seemed was to basically... Divert uh, Benowitz's attention to what was going on to Kirtland, from Kirtland to Dulce, where they could, uh, as part of this counterintelligence uh, campaign, easier, easierly uh, stage uh, different things to make it appear there was some type of uh, alien underground base there.
0: Hmm. Okay, a lot, to, a lot to chew on, but <clears throat> indeed. Uh, Now, I think uh, the second part of uh, the second question that uh, Peter has sent gets into that. However, uh, we're coming up on our break. Can we take our break a little early? Yeah, sure thing. Okay. We'll take our mid-show break. You're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on WOON 1240 AM 99.5 FM in New England's beautiful Blackstone River Valley with our great guest today, Adam Gorightly. We shall be right back, so stick with us. (music)
1: Night is Alive. Join us and take a walk on the weird side when you tune in to The Kingdom of Nigh, hosted by Heather Wade, the finest in late night talk. Listen live free weeknights starting at 9 p.m. Pacific time at thekingdomofnigh.com, talkstreamlive.com, and the Paranormal Radio app.
2: Want to take a ride? Local and live at 99.5 FM.
0: And welcome back. It's Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on WOONAMNFM radio. And we have Adam Gorightly with us today. We're talking about a lot of weird stuff having to do mm-hmm. with UFOs, conspiracies, and uh, manipulation of UFO mythologies, things of this kind. It's uh, pretty interesting stuff. Ben, did you want to uh, pose the second question that Peter asks? Because actually I think we kind of get into that in the last.
1: We did. So I guess, it, it, yeah, well, we're- Slowly but surely, getting around to your questions, Peter. Uh, you So so we'll we'll hop right into it, um, which Peter writes. You discovered that the story of uh, the alleged Dulce base guard uh, Thomas Costello was a fiction. Did you learn if the alleged Dulce base alien abduction cases of such women as uh, Myrna Hansen and Krista Tilton were also fiction?
2: Well, that's the $64,000 Question there, and no, I don't, I don't know for uh, sure with Myrna Hansen. It's kind of an interesting uh, story with her. She basically, uh, after all of this uh, happened, kind of uh, disappeared. Nobody knows what, uh, you know, there was stories about her moving to California. I think actually Gabe Valdez was uh, deeply looking into the, a lot of these, uh, different, uh, rumors and whatnot associated with, uh, Dulce to see if he could pin down, you know, the fact, uh, separate the fact from the fiction, separate the wheat from chaff. And he did indeed, uh, Gabe Valdez did indeed, uh, confirm that, uh, the Com- Thomas Costello, uh, story was, uh, fiction and later Phil Schneider picked up on uh you know he promoted the uh, same story that he had worked in an underground base and had been involved in a shoot 'em up uh, with the aliens as for uh Myrna Hansen once again uh you know nobody really uh, knew what uh, became of her and I began to question was Myrna Hansen really her name, and in my conversations uh With Greg Valdez, he suggested the distinct possibility that uh, Myrna Hansen was also part of this counterintelligence uh, program, which starts to make a uh, bit of sense if you really uh, think about it, that she was, you know, like a uh, spy that was put in the uh, middle of this to further promote these stories of aliens and uh, divert uh, Benowitz's attention uh, towards uh, whatever was going on out there at uh, Dolce. Hmm. And uh, I also, yeah, write a bit about uh, Krista Tilton in the uh, book as well, and she uh, as well might might have been playing a uh, similar a similar uh, role. Okay. But uh, that's that's another uh, topic. Getting into the whole Krista Tilton story, that could be a whole show. Okay, well, perhaps perhaps <laughs> it will be. All right, um, let's
0: move on to uh, another notion that that you deal with uh, too in in your books. And um, now, Ben and I uh, often are invited to speak at UFO conferences. Uh, not so much ghost and paranormal types because we're bad for business. We question all their theories, so they don't really like us very much. But the UFO people, uh, and, and, and we, we're on these panels with some of the, the big names, and uh, they go down the line and they speak uh, learnedly about disclosure, the notion that the government uh, should be uh, cajoled or otherwise convinced to uh, just tell what they know about UFOs. And they get to us and we say... Show of hands, who believes what the government says, you know, and the whole audience will groan and moan, you know, and uh, so th- that I think uh, is is a problem from our point of view that uh, whatever is released, if anything, it won't necessarily be accurate, it'll have an agenda, it'll have, um, you know, and, and you really can't trust it, plus the fact that there is no the government it's a bunch of competing agencies uh, some of which may know something you know the turf and all this business and nobody's really in charge so uh, yeah. what say you on the notion of disclosure and i'm thinking particularly of the part of your book where you talk about the uh the story that steven spielberg before he made close encounters met with ronald reagan and um the whole notion that hollywood is preparing us for disclosure what say you on all that <laughs>
2: Yeah, exactly. Well it, it it's, it's just another story it seems but this it was intertwined uh, a lot of these same uh, narratives get rolled out a, over a period of time by the same uh, people and that w- that was one of them that uh, you know that basically had to do with this uh secret exchange program with uh, the ETs And, you know, that's a story that really dates, uh, back or started bubbling up, uh, through, you know, uh, people looking into, uh, Roswell and the release of, uh, the MJ-12 papers that talked about this, uh, secret, uh, treaty, uh, arrangement between humans and aliens and that there was an alien in, uh, captivity and, uh, you know, where did these documents uh come from? We it goes back to uh it appears that, you know, they were fed to uh Bill Moore and he didn't know exactly, but they came from Albuquerque, New Mexico and uh, you know, a lot of people suspect that uh Richard Doty had a hand in this, uh you know, promoting these uh what turned out to be bogus uh, documents, the MJ-12 documents. And so uh, there's kind of this cast of characters. I mean, I say Doty, but there's a number that have been involved in pushing this uh, narrative. Uh, and every decade or so, they kind of roll it out again in a different type of uh, – with a little tweaks here and there, but uh, we saw it uh, – once again uh, rolled out in the uh, mid-2000s with the uh, Serpo story, which it was later revealed by some Internet sleuths that uh, Doty was uh, also uh, intimately involved with. I don't know if that even came close to answering your question, but uh, there it is.
0: Oh, yeah, there's so much information here. Uh, But regarding, um, I'm thinking back to our old uh, mutual friend Stanton Friedman, Uh, always receiving sort of anonymous uh, documents, including the MJ-12 documents and this sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And, uh, you know, anonymous letters are fraught with peril, obviously. So how much of this information uh, do you think has come from anonymous sources as opposed to uh, accurate or known accurate or inaccurate sources. Stan Friedman seemed to accept a lot about the uh, Majestic 12 documents. Mm -hmm. Uh, Could you say more about those documents for those who might not know, and how legitimate they may be, whether
2: anonymous or not? Well, there was a whole series of documents that came out of the uh, Benowitz affair uh, that uh, you know, were pretty uh, dodgy, and later, uh, you know, were exposed by different UFO researchers to be uh, bogus. As far as the MJ12 documents, uh, how those were rolled out in 1984. Now, wow, all kinds of noise going on in my neighborhood here. <laughs> oh, the aliens Excuse are me. trying to disrupt the show. Um, so in 19 uh, so Bill Moore was uh, central to all this and he was a uh, up and coming researcher way back in the late 70s 80s and he wrote uh, the uh, and this was based on research he and uh, Stanton Friedman were research partners uh and eventually published the Roswell incident uh, about this alleged uh, Roswell crash that happened you know back in 19 uh, 47, um, and so that was 1979-80, that book came out. Around that uh, same time, Moore was approached by, uh, uh, Intel, uh, official, high level apparently, who went by the name of, uh, Falcon, and, uh, approached him basically with the offer, uh, with the offer, if you, uh, help us Keep an eye on people in ufology. Report back to us what they are up to. Uh, we can, uh, in exchange, uh, feed you, you know, top secret poop on uh, UFOs, classified information, uh, perhaps, and that uh, Doty will be your conduit for this information. So Doty was, you know, there from the beginning. So jump forward a few years, 84, these uh, documents uh Pop up, they just appear from anonymous source on uh, the doorstep of uh, Jamie Chanderay. He was a uh, research partner with Bill Moore during this period. And all of these documents appeared to confirm, you know, they were basically briefing documents supposedly with this group named MJ-12. MJ-12 were these different government uh, officials uh that uh, we're briefing Eisenhower on once again the Roswell crash and uh you know uh, information on ETs and uh ET in uh, captivity and all of the all of this material basically confirmed uh you know what was published in Bill Moore's book a few years uh before that and and so uh well that's basically the uh you know the mj-12 documents the fbi uh actually looked into it and they confirmed they were bogus i know some people say well the fbi was uh covering uh stuff up but you know uh a lot of researchers looked into that uh you know during the period and uh years to uh come and you know there's you know they look fishy to me they uh there's a lot of uh, questions with them, as far as uh, how they conform to uh, actual uh, government uh, documents and of course there's the Stanton Freemans of the world who stood by them till the end, but of course uh, he had a hound in that hunt
0: yeah okay well <laughs>
2: yeah
0: uh, could you tell us uh, well let 's take a moment to talk about your your book, your books, your website, where people can find out more.
2: So yeah, I've written a bunch of books over the years. Uh, that you can find all of them, most of them, at uh, Amazon.com, of course. Uh, oh, they, they run the uh, gamut, you know. I've written a couple of books on uh, UFOs. One with my buddy Greg Bishop called A is for Adamski: The Golden Age of the UFO <laughs> Contactees. If you guys are familiar with that, kind oh, of yeah. fun. Joe Ferrier was
0: right on this right, right on this station with us.
2: Uh, kind years. of a yeah. who's, who's who of the old school, you know, yeah. uh, contactees. And then there's uh, this book, saucer Spooks, and uh, Kooks. But I've written on, you know, uh, conspiracies, quote, unquote, a book on the uh, Manson family or in colorful characters like uh, Carrie Thornley in my book, The Prankster and the uh, Conspiracy. And so, yeah, it's kind of a wide range of stuff I'm interested in. Uh, UFOs, paranormal, conspiracy theories, uh, consciousness, uh, counterculture, psychedelics, all that fun kind of uh, stuff. <laughs> yeah, no, it's,
0: it's and as I say, I love the way you write. And, I, and I'm a, an editor professionally, and I don't ah. give compliments easily. But in any Thank case, you. uh, uh, you're welcome. Uh, let's get back to um, talking about. Uh, in Chapter 21, you deal with, with the, the, the Crestone Manifesto, or Creston, am mm-hmm. I pronouncing that correctly? Crestone. Creston. Can you tell us about that? John Lear and all those fun guys. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, yeah, that also plays into this, uh, the mythos of the Dulce, uh, story. So this, the Crestone, uh, conference, I first heard about, uh, as I was digging into all this stuff, an interview with Bill Moore from 1994. He was on with Don Ecker when Don Ecker, Ecker had a radio show back then, and they got to talking about, uh, you know, the uh, ETs, the Greys, the mythos surrounding all of this, what was true and false, and uh, to step back a little bit, in 1989, um, and I will get to the Creston Conference, in 1989, Bill uh, Moore basically at the MUFON uh, conference in Las Vegas, spilled the beans about his involvement with uh, Benowitz and that whole affair. And he had admitted that he had, uh, you know, worked as an uh, informant, I guess is the best way you could say it, an unpaid informant. And he made that uh, deal that uh, basically kind of keep an eye on ufology in uh, exchange for top secret UFO information. But he basically spilled build the beans on this at the Smufon conference, admitted it, and... Uh Pointed to the likes of uh, john lear he didn 't name Lear specifically in his lecture, but he was obviously talking about John Lear and other people who he felt had taken uh, the Benowitz story and now were running with it and embellishing upon it and taking it to ridiculous levels, so he felt the community needed to know and he was he basically got ran out of the uh, <laughs> conference hall that night, if there had been, uh, tomatoes and vegetables for sale, he, you know, <laughs> they probably would have been hurling them at him. So anyway, there's that part of the story. So, uh, in this, uh, jump ahead to 94 on this radio program, he said that all of this, the Dulce story was really, it came together at this Creston conference in 1984, which wasn't a, full-blown ufo conference it was just some of the key players in ufology during that period getting together and uh you know just kind of meet and talk about the current uh, state of uh ufology and uh out of this once again according to uh more <clears throat> Came this whole Dulce, uh, mythos. So I didn't, I, I was researching, I couldn't find out much about this conference until, uh, oh, the last few years when I got to know David Perkins, who ended up writing the intro to my book, mm-hmm. and he was there at that uh, conference, it was just like a dozen, Linda Moulton Howe was there, and John Lear was now an up-and-comer in ufology, a few uh other people, and Lear was pressed, uh, got everybody together one day, and he said he wanted to put together this manifesto to talk about the current state of ufology. And, uh, they put their heads together, and they could agree that, uh, you know, one, uh, with the cattle mutilations, they felt that, uh, this group included Perkins and, uh, uh, Tom Adams, cattle mutilation researchers were there as well, that uh, UFOs were somehow associated with the cattle mutilation phenomena. That's as far as they go. But Lear wanted to take it uh, further and claim that there was indeed an alien invasion going on and, you know, put out this type of statement or manifesto and everybody backed off at that and It's not, not John. That seems like a, a bit too much, but the lyric kind of ran with this and uh, he was heavily uh, in getting into Dulcie during this period and also his, uh, what he was uh, not his belief, but, maybe his belief but what he was promoting was that indeed you know there was the secret treaty with the aliens in exchange for technology but he went even further that this was part of a alien invasion that they were breeding these alien hybrid babies this alien race because they were dying, dying race and that these aliens were also drinking the precious bodily fluids of uh, human babies and all this uh, wild stuff that came out in something called the Lear Statement, which I think he was fishing for at this Creststone conference to get more people to sign in. But, you know, this became a a thing in like 89 or so when he released uh, this statement. It kind of took ufology by storm. during that period, and he linked all of this to the, uh, Dulce Base. You may remember the, there's been different names for it, the Lear Statement or whatever that, mm-hmm. uh, was basically released during that period through, uh, different user, uh, groups. You know, this was kind of at the very early stages, uh, of, uh, you know, the internet and it, uh, went viral and became a big meme uh, within ufology and I think, you know, became a big influence on the media too and uh, shows like the X-Files that wove in a lot of these uh, different elements to the story. Uh, Lear went on to uh, meet uh, Paul Benowitz around this period, 88 or so, spent a few days at Benowitz's home, after which, Benowitz disconnected his phone and uh, kind of disappeared from ufology. Uh, different uh, researchers, and I suspect this to be the case, like uh, Christian Lambright is uh, convinced something went on there with uh, Lear and uh, Benowitz that once again was the reason that Benowitz left ufology and uh, the... Uh, High probability that Lear latched onto a lot of, uh, Benowitz's actual, uh, materials and documentation during that period, okay. and went on to, went on to promote this, the dulce based mythos.
0: Okay, I have about a hundred more questions, but Ben, uh, <laughs> you've been sitting here quietly, uh, did you? Uh,
1: I'm, I'm taking it all in, <laughs> um, and I, I always like to take a, f- a few minutes and, and kind of, um, Sort of take everything that we've heard and and try and formulate a well thought out question. Sometimes it's well thought out, um, and sometimes it's not. And maybe this one will. Uh, it might be right in the middle. Uh, so I I'll, I th- I'll let you know. <laughs> Thank you. I you know what I appreciate constructive criticism. Um, I think it's really interesting that I've I've heard the word mythology and mythos used a lot in this this whole conversation, and that fascinates me. Because I've been playing with this really fun definition of mythology, which is not so much, oh, well, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a fiction. It's just something that happened before, and we, you know, attribute things to it that are like, well, we can't really figure out what it is, so let's just attribute it to, you know, some sort of force outside ourselves. Rather, the definition I've been playing with is a story that we participate in that we're all kind of a part of, right? So we're all a part of a mythos in some way, shape, or form, Right. You know, whether you want to throw in, I don't know, um, like let's say a Christian mythos or you want to throw in, you know, if you want to make it more modern, a fandom, if you will, which is, you know, we participate going to movies. We, you know, get into costumes. We participate in this story of, you know, Star Wars, Star Trek, whatever. I think it's really interesting that there's this sort of mythology of ufology. I did not mean for that to rhyme, but now that will stick in your heads. Uh, is yeah, that's good the mythology of ufology, which is, it's so hard to pin down because, um, you know, the story is always changing. So the story that we're participating in is constantly changing. And one of the really interesting things that I've, I've found from this is the manipulation of that story over time. Now, my, my question is this. There's sort of two camps that have been divi- been sort of divided into over the last, you know, decade or so. You know, you have your nuts and bolts you know, traditional, you know, these are craft that come from, you know, the Andromeda Galaxy, you know, X amount of light years away. And then you have the people that are more, well, it's a spiritual thing. You know, they're these, these higher beings that are, are technologically and spiritually advanced and they, they want to help us. And you find some of these narratives, especially like, you know, the, um, the Dulce one's really interesting because it, it kind of, it doesn't really fall into either of those camps and it's really hard to pin down. Now, in your opinion, with the state of of sort of the mythology of ufology, where do you think it's going to go from here?
2: <laughs> the field of ufology? Indeed. My God, that's a, that's a weighty question. I don't know. <laughs> Twenty-five words or less. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I can't predict. Uh, well, you see, the same uh, stories. Uh, get retreaded all the time, so I would suspect uh, they'll continue to uh, retread a lot of this stuff. For instance, the so-called metamaterials or memory metals or stuff retrieved from crash saucers, it's still a uh, big topic that Uh, in current-day UFO disclosure, I mean, that was a big part of uh, the TTSA story, that there was possibly some weird materials they were looking at. The Bigelow uh, modified a facility in uh, Las Vegas to look at this stuff. But if you trace the story... Back in ufology, it really started with one of the first accounts, which was kind of a dubious story to begin with, having to do with the Maury Island affair, where there was, they called it slag that rained down from these, uh, UFOs. Mm-hmm. You hear the story again, uh, connected to, uh, Roswell, with the so-called, uh, memory medals, uh, go Jump forward a little bit and, uh, Art Bell in the mid 90s or later 90s got a letter from somebody's a guy whose dad supposedly worked on the Roswell crash with the military and he had these arts parts that he sent to Art Bell. Art shared them around to a uh, few people. I think Bigelow got a hold of some during that uh, period and it's a narrative Bigelow uh, and people associated with him who have also been associated with the aviary and nids and, uh, John Alexander and all these kind of, uh, spooky types. They were looking at some material, you know, a couple, uh, decades ago that, uh, it could have been arts parts, could have been a number of stuff. Linda Moulton Howe got a hold of that she actually, according to reports, uh, sold Uh, some of that to Tom DeLong, uh, to the tune of around $30,000. And so, where's ufology going? uh, I'm sure we'll hear in the future. Uh, This latest, uh, thing about metamaterials will die out, but then, uh, ten years from now it'll come back. Uh, there'll be uh, alien autopsies will come back. Crash saucers are always there. Crash retrievals. Uh, Lou Elizondo mentioned crash retrievals the other day, and all of a sudden, uh, UFO Twitter blew up with people who had never really—we uh, <laughs> don't seem to know the history of these stories.
1: Mm. Context is it's, really important, and I, so I, 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 I yeah,
2: <laughs> I, I'm kind—I'm coming across as a. Pretty skeptical, cynical type, but you know. Well, you have to be, I think. <laughs>
1: you know. Right? Yeah, you gotta. It, the, that's the problem with narratives, right? They take on a life of their own over time. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're,
0: we're just about out of time, but but one brief ob- <clears throat> observation uh, with the uh, alleged uh, disclosures from the uh, Pentagon uh, over the past year or so, uh, we've and which has been covered by national news outlets, things of this kind. We're hearing from a lot of people who want to tell their stories. Because now they feel it's okay, mm-hmm. all right, because it's on the national news. So I think that might be one change we might be seeing.
2: Okay, yeah,
0: perhaps. Oh, so maybe good that idea. maybe that's good. But uh, yeah. give us your website one more time, please, Adam.
2: Uh, AdamGoRightly dot com, and also I started a blog uh semi recently. The last couple of years, more devoted to UFOs, kind of promote, to promote these last couple books. That's called Chasing UFOs. So uh, if you uh, plug that into Google or whatever, you can see some of the stuff. And I put there's like uh, a lot of documentation and uh, files and stuff that I weren't wasn't able to include, like in the uh, some of these books and extra materials that I post on this uh, chasing, chasing UFO uh, blog. Excellent. Cool. Great discussion, Adam. Uh,
0: paranormal Renaissance man, folks. Adam, go rightly. Check Thank you much. Okay, uh, so let's get to our announcements. On Friday, October 8th, uh, I'll present a paranormal overview. It's going to be the uh, program uh, Para- behind the paranormal, everything you know is wrong, at a v- venue that's kind of unusual for me, the Arizona Dowsers Conference at the Little America Hotel in Flagstaff. Visit douzerssouthwest.com for more information. This is an in-person event, but you have to register for the thing. <clears throat> on Thursday, uh, October 21st at 7 p.m., I'll be back at the Haverhill Public Library in Haverhill, Massachusetts, to present on Behind the Paranormal, Everything You Know is Wrong. Boy, this is going to be an easy season for me, just off-the-shelf uh, off programs here. Mm. Uh, this is scheduled to be an in-person event, but stay tuned.
1: Alrighty, and we'll present once again at the Western Connecticut UFO Conference during the last week of October this year. Uh, on Sunday, the 24th, we'll do a live simulcast with the conference. This will be an open line show format with Kathleen Martin uh, taking questions from the conference participants uh, and our global audience on the Betty and Barney Hill abduction case, of which 2021 is the 60th anniversary. Fr- on that following Saturday, COVID variants permitting, uh, we'll uh, present live at the Danbury, Connecticut Public Library uh, to help wrap up the conference. Other presenters that week will include Mark D'Antonio, Tom Reed, uh, Michael Schratt, uh, Linda Zimmerman, and Mike Panicello from Connecticut MUFON. Uh,
0: after years of technical difficulties, all regular recorded radio broadcasts are behind the paranormal, from CBS Radio, Achieve Radio, and here on W O O N A M and FM, have been restored in the archives at BehindTheParanormal.com. Also fully restored are the Return to Rendlesham series from 2010-2011 on CBS Radio, all related shows along with the Achieve Radio monthly two-hour specials from 2009. We're still working on uh, some other special shows and podcasts, but most of, most of the stuff is there at BehindTheParanormal.com, and it's scattered around on the... Uh, iTunes and other platforms as well, Apple Podcasts, etc., YouTube. And Spotify. And Spotify. <clears throat> yeah, you amazed where you find us. In addition, our show now has its own app. It's bare bones, but it's free. What do you want for nothing? Uh, right now, it's just uh, got most of our past shows on it. We plan to add features
1: as we go, so check that out.
0: All right, uh, what do we have for next week, Ben?
1: So next week, uh, that's October 3rd, we'll bring you an open line show to tackle the mountains of questions on all sorts of paranormal topics, you name it, and we will probably end up discussing it.
0: Yeah, we'll have a special guest co host, too. Uh, we leave you today with another thought from <clears throat> For Our Times from the Irish born 18th century British essayist and parliamentarian, <clears throat> excuse me, Sir Edmund Burke. Nobody makes a greater mistake than the one who does nothing because he can do only a little. I'm Paul Eno.
1: I'm Ben Eno, and we still have a couple of seconds left, and, you know, fun, funnily enough, I, I quote Sir Edmund Burke a lot. Uh, amazing statesman, politician. If, if, if you've never had a chance to really do some, do some looking into him, highly recommend it. Especially since a lot of his, his stuff is, uh, very, very relevant to the Well, his main point is people get the government they deserve. Exactly. (laughs) And on that delightful note, I'm Ben, and thank you for joining us on our great cosmic journey, and we shall see you next time on Behind the Paranormal.
0: Return to this radio
2: frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal.